Exalted off topic Luna and the Lunars. I am Devin and we have Peter. So, Peter and I are talking about Luna and the Lunars. This one's going to be a tad more meta than the other off topics because Lunars unfortunately have no flavor for them. <laughs> oh, did, did that seem like a really fucking broad statement? Uh, fuck you, person who's going to comment about how Lunars totally have flavor. Fucking first edition and second edition were conceptual nightmares for the silver solar exalt, as people have taken to calling them. And they've gained mimetic status among the community uh, for just how bad lunar charm design, flavor writing, and, and other parts are. But we will get to that all in time. Peter? Yeah. Uh, it seems that they have all the flavors and they can decide what they want. Similar with Luna. Oh, man. Luna. Yeah. Just really the glorious most high on her, and while on Soul and the Maidens, there wasn't all that much. It was pretty bland. Luna, there's such an info dump on everything there. I have like two and a half pages of notes. The other ones had like half. Isn't most of Luna's info dump talking about Gaia? Um, no, there's nothing about her, how she came to be, what she can do. There's tons talking about her, the moon. And a little bit about Gaia, yes. I remember Gaia and I think like Oramis come up a fucking bunch when you talk about Luna. Well, She's the only incarnate that keeps bringing up Yozis about her. <clears throat> well, they're quite important to her, I guess. So we'll get to it. Oh, hell, we'll get to it. So how do we do this? Do we just talk about Luna's origins? Well, I guess we can start with that. How Luna came to be. So, uh, according to the book, she was architected by Sifer... Sit Sithyria, the mother of creation, the divine ignition, and she was created as a counterpoint to Sol. So while Sol Invictus is the all possible perfection and so on, then Luna is supposed to be the impossible made possible. So it's not like the Ebon Dragon, which is complete opposite. Of and the... he's not, and, and she's not like Lidger, who's also the complete opposite. She's like the fourth opposite to the Unconquered Sun. And, oh, and she's not like Five Days Darkness, who's the Unconquered Sun's opposite in a shadow form. Ah, he's just a shadow. She's the fourth opposite to the Sun character type in the fucking yeah. game. So, she was actually created by, by Oramos, the dragon beyond the world, in his impossible fort from the beyond. And to be born, she had to defeat all the rival concepts of what the moon could be, all the alternative moon gods. And those still stick around, and they manifest themselves in the different phases of the moon, even. Oh, that, that's Luna's different form she takes? Yeah. Like that pregnant kid? Yeah, all of those. That one's always the weirdest one that keeps popping up. I don't think I've seen that here, but... One of her, her forms she takes is just a kid, like a boy, who's pregnant. It's like, oh, cool, Luna. How very, how very weird and mystical. <laughs> Uh, so, after she was created, I guess we're going to talk about her duties. What was she created for and so on. Yeah, what the fuck does creation need a moon for? <coughs> well, because when Sol Invictus was first created, he, well, wouldn't shut the fuck down. He was just the dragon of the sky and everything was burning because there was constant day. And I guess Luna was created to, you know, give him a Snickers and let him go to sleep eventually. That's... So literally the Yozis were like, these people are getting too much free sunlight. We're going to install a sunblocker like Mr. Burns. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons she was created, I guess. 
So Krishna could rest from the mighty soul, his, you know, light that preaches through everything and so on and so on. I remember this, yeah. It's because creation was always under the constant stress of being perfect like the sun. So now they get some time to fucking relax and not try to emulate him when the, when the sun goes down. Yeah. And, well, thanks to this, I guess everything else could start living because it wasn't constantly scorched by the sun. And she's also, I guess, responsible for the barrier between creation and the wild and everything else. <coughs> so, basically, she, yeah, throws the, you know, the barrier between creation and the wild and Malfias and the underworld and elsewhere and everything else. She's the between, so they don't bleed into one another and become one or something like that. So, I guess she helps define creation with her moon and such. See, I thought the sun did that because it was a big, angry, burning hot ball that would just be like, hey, don't get too close. Uh, maybe he's like the protector, like, oh, don't get too close. Uh, she actually defines the boundaries. Yeah, I was doing research for Luna, and it was impossible to get into it. It all seemed so very bland. Yeah. Also, apparently, uh, Cytheria might want to seduce Gaia to stay in creation with Luna. Or something like that because Gaia seemed to be all wanderlusty, wanted to leave creation to search for her shiny answer in the wild and so on and so on. So I need to keep her in and so on, but you know, Luna fell in love with her and that didn't work out that well. Yeah, there's so much stuff with her that's Titan related, it just it just goes all over the place. Like I remember this. Gaia in takes most of her world body and goes out into the wild to search for the shining answer, and it's like, oh, What's the shining answer? And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a capitalized thing. It's capital S, capital A, shining answer. She's going out to look for it. She's looking for 42. Yeah, some, yeah something so... It's, it almost is pretentious with how... Yeah. You know, there's an answer out there. A shining answer. A brilliant answer to... Something. Well, and Gaia yeah. searches for it. And she leaves back her, her body. She leaves back like one of her Jotun here in creation to hang out and screw Luna every once in a while. Yeah, the whole shiny answer is so meta, so deep, entrenched with the primordials, how they were created, why they exist, and so on. That's beyond the scope of most games, I would say. You know what? Oh, fuck. Yeah, right? You know what it sounds like? It sounded like they needed an excuse for Gaia not to be active in creation. Yeah. You know, so you couldn't walk up to a guy and social her to, like, kill the realm. So instead of just saying that Gaia is dormant or Gaia is sessile or Gaia doesn't have a personality, uh, they were just they, they thought of the, the, the quickest, laziest solution possible, which was, ah, she walked off into the wild and didn't come back. It's like, are you sure she walked off into the wild? Because we're all on Gaia right now. We're on creation. She's like, no, no, that's, that's like an artifact she attunes to. And it's also her blood. <laughs> well, it was created by her and Sephira together or something like that, and they're both the crea creators of creation. Uh, but again, that gets into more meta stuff that probably we will... We're trying to talk about Luna and this shit comes yeah. up. Let's cover that when we talk about the primordials, which would be a whole other thing. Yeah. So... What else? I uh, guess she's also protecting Gaia with by being the ever-evolving super predator that she is or something like that. So now she's a super predator as well as uh, as well as that that wax paper you put in between burger patties in the freezer so they don't melt together. Pretty much. Fuck. <laughs> um, what else? 
as I quote from the book, is like, be a spiritual existential diversity from the unconquered sun. Whatever that would be. She was a diversity hire. We needed something that was opposite the sun and spiritually different. We're going to yeah. hire that chick. She's not gold. She's silver. She's, she's not a furry. dude. She's a girl. She's furry. She's not, a, she's not a big, strong man with four arms. She loves animals and being a boy that's yeah. pregnant. She's such a weirdo. It's our diversity double whammy. Yeah, so I guess also she creates science and pathways to lead Gaia back into creation, which... Yeah, that was an interesting thing. She acts as a lighthouse every once in a while to, like, draw Gaia back. Yeah. It's too bad it's attached to Gaia and such a stupid concept as Gaia being missing in the wild. Well, you know, if you wander off for too long, I guess it might be hard to find creation back because... It would be cool if the moon by its own existence, led people from creation back to creation. Like, if it was everyone's lighthouse. Like, you know, the sun isn't what you track by. You track by moonlight. Moonlight would help you guide you back to creation. Like, you could infer that from that Ink Monkeys write-up, you know, the, the glories of the Most High thing, but that would just been a cool thing to write about Guy in general. It's like, oh yeah, the moon's a way to find your way back to creation. Mm, that would be clever. That would be clever. <laughs> but no. Um... <clears throat> So, obviously, Gaia rebelled in the Primordial War. Yeah. Um, obviously, she turned her back on creation. Okay. Um, they, oh, okay. You, you got something for this? Yeah, I've got, got some stuff on that. Um, oh, also, what it does, apparently, causes creation to feed upon outer realms in order to bolster its own reality. So, I guess she helps the reality engine spinning with the power well, of the wild. They cannibalize other worlds? I guess it feeds in the wild or something, or some other concept like that. What a weird thing. Uh, I guess the smallest thing she does is she attempts her own exaltations. Yay. But apparently she doesn't give up her turn in the games of divinity because she can copy herself or something like that. Split her off. Yeah, it's like they were trying to answer problems that never existed. It's like, oh my, she skips a turn or whatever. Maybe she Would be... it really been that bad for her to skip a turn? Yeah, that would be... Saying, oh, the lunar destination is so important that she skips those days. No, they're not that important. See, I I can imagine what the thought process of this was. It's like, okay, we made up all these setting things to make sure the unconquered sense not in creation. The solars were dickholes. The solars were dead for a thousand years and never came back. Uh, He turned his back on the solars because they were dickholes. He turned his back on the usurpation. And he's an addict to the games of divinity. So he's, he's constantly preoccupied and constantly uninterested in dealing with creation. He's a locked-down super NPC. And they're like, oh, shit, and we have Gaia. And it's like, oh, fuck, okay. She has none of the restrictions the Unconquered Sun has, but she probably also won't interfere with creation because she's random, lol. <laughs> well, I guess she'll be dealing with stuff that threatens Gaia and stuff like that. That's mostly what she cares about. Yeah, they had to make up all these excuses for the sun not to interfere. And guys, and Luna's excuse is that, eh, she's kind of a shitty person. That's just it. <laughs> what do you expect of her? Exactly. It's like, we don't really expect anything from God, from Luna. Yeah. So, um, accomplishments. What's Luna known for actually doing? So apparently she's the only being that looked up to the true face of the unconquered sun without being destroyed. Like he was in his full form and so on. Wait, so just looking at the sun destroys you? Well, I guess when he was in his full draconic form and if you stare too much at him, maybe you'll burn you. Did, did that happen to Lidger? Did that happen to the Yozis? Sounds like that'd be a great way to kill them by taking on your full glorious might and wiping them out. Maybe. Did it not kill them? Because that means Luna's not the only person who can look on his full draconic might then. Uh, what about the 300 solars? 
Uh, I don't know. That's what the book said. Whatever. Right? It's just, it's such a contradictory thing to write. Yeah. He's, she's the only one who can stand the full glory of the sun because she's the moon. Because there's a sun and a moon, an Artemis and Aries allegory or whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't work in Exalted. We have an opposite to the sun. Well. He's maybe, called Lidger. Yeah. Eh. So, you have that. Um, apparently she called the maidens into creation from the wild, the beyond, when she came about. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Because they weren't in creation, creation was created, so... They existed. Yeah, they existed. So I guess when the first eclipse, first night came about, the maidens came around as well. Thanks. Okay. Um, well, apparently Luna convinced Gaia to rebel against the other... Primordial. That was the thing. A Togthon yeah. volunteered. He was like, guys, we should do this rebellion. And then Gaia Luna... Gaia hurting me. They're teasing me. I'm going to go and call him buying the place. <laughs> That's it. And uh, and Luna didn't convince Guy to fight with them. She convinced Guy to stand down, whereas a Talkthon totally fought with them. Yep. So Luna talked down a single primordial. That's her. That was her shtick. Yep. She socialed her, but in the end, after the primordial war, Gaia convinced Luna, and then Luna convinced everybody else not to execute the primordials they captured because that would be the end of the world. And so. so Gaia didn't do anything in the war. And then Gaia convinced the Incarna to stand down and not murder the Primordials yeah. into Neverborn. Yeah. And Luna was just the in-between man. Yeah. Stuff like that. See, all of her lore is around Gaia. Well, the next one. Apparently she was infiltrating the divine bureaucracy to uncover the Primordial sympathizer during the war. She was doing that? Apparently. Why isn't she doing anything like that now? I don't know, because there are no more Primordial sympathizers in the Celestial bureaucracy. There's a bunch! <laughs> <laughs> Probably. And, of course, connected to Gaia, she's apparently maybe the only true and infinite loving creation between the two of them. Between her and Gaia? Yeah, because not even the Magnus love themselves as much as she loves Gaia or something. So her power is the power of love? Yeah. With an NPC that will never show up in the game? Eh, I guess. Peter, I'm not going to lie, this is all very underwhelming. <laughs> well... Better than Sol? Nah. No way! So uh, The Unconquered <laughs> nah. Sun's at least interesting. We were able to build an entire off-topic not talking about The Unconquered Sun's origins, but talking about one facet of him, what he <laughs> means to creation. Yeah. Luna, we're barely going to get an hour in just talking about all the ways in which she thematically falls short and disappoints. <laughs> I well, mean... Alright, let, let, let's look at it this way. Luna's supposed to be the sun, the, the moon motif, because her exalt type's the werewolf exalt type. Yeah. And, and this, this is definitely how it happened, by the way. Yeah. They were like, solars are the hunter archetype, because uh, exalted's, you know, the, the origin of World of Darkness or whatever. Yeah. So if we have a hunter archetype based on the sun, we need an animal archetype based on the moon for the hunter to hunt. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, well, if lunars are going to be like werewolves, then obviously their god's going to be the moon because solar's god's the sun. It's like, okay, all right, I gotcha. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So we should make this, the, the moon to be like the opposite of the sun, right? Like, yeah, we'll say in the fiction that the moon is the sun's opposite. <laughs> and and whereas the sun is infinite human potential and power, the, the moon is infinite impossibilities that can show up. It's like, all right, yeah, all right, we got it. And then it's like, oh, and let's give her a girlfriend because unlike the sun, she's a woman who also has girlfriends because this is 90s wad. And, and it, just, it, just, it, just, it just went from there. It's like she could have all that crazy sh- shit we stuff into old changeling, you know, with pukas and people with piercings and insane, you know, fetish monsters. 
we'll make her eggs all type of fetish monsters. And I, I can just, I can see it happening where they just kind of shove all of these tropes onto Luna. Yeah. And then once you really look at it, none of these tropes hold up. None of them are consistent. They're, they contradict each other even. And not in an interesting way. Design by committee. Yeah, design, yeah, she's a fucking camel. For listeners who don't know and don't watch, I guess, Parks and Recreation, uh, designing a camel is, is, is a term for designing something by a committee. You get a bunch of people together who want to make a horse, and because they had all these features in it and all the stuff they want to take out stuff they don't like, instead of getting a horse, you get a camel. And that's what Luna is to me, anyway. There's nothing unified about her. Everything she has, other NPCs in Exalted did better. The opposite of the sun is the Ebon Dragon in principle and in like uh, what virtues he ascribes to and how the dragon operates. You know, he he's villainous in how he's the opposite of the sun, and he's more interesting and complex because of that. And the opposite of the sun is more powerful than him. It's his boss. Yeah. Uh, the other opposite allegory, and by that I mean the template the sun was made from, was Lidger. You know, the, the third circle soul of Malpheus, the king of all the titans. The king of all the titans copied his heart to make the sun the king of all the gods. That's a Kronos Zeus thing right there you can deal with. And then you give him a mere Darklink version in the Ebon Dragon. And you, you have all these things that play off the sun that are interesting and like build on the setting. And then Luna gets like a bucket of Legos and it's like, okay, build your own backstory out of this. The Unconquered Sun got $300 Star Wars Lego sets to build his backstory diorama. Use this fucking bucket and make it fit. And there's some fucking Duplo blocks and Mega blocks in there. And a few connects. Uh, yeah. Too much that. Um, Luna shows up to her Exalted when they exalt, right? Yep. They get a vision. Yep. So I guess in that regard, she's a little bit like Saul with the Zenith. Zenith, just every zone. Yeah, so she does the one special thing so the Uncover Sun does to one character type, except just for all her character types. Yeah. Super bland. <laughs> um, well, what else? Do we, do we want to get straight into Lunars? Or have we covered everything about Luna? Um, well, there's still the moon to cover. Oh, fuck. <laughs> all right, let's cover the moon. Okay, the silver chair of the night. It's like Nexus, but in the sky. It's like Nexus, but in the sky. Very good. Yeah. So, the silver chair of the night is the Luna's moon disc. It's like the day star, but moon. Moon. That's, yeah. So, it was designed as a dimensional control mechanism for creation. It aids in defining the borders of reality. So, like Luna does. We should point out to yep. the listeners that this is second edition Ink Monkeys content. The the moon being a giant spinny murder chair and being like a control nexus and Magitech was something that showed up in late second edition. No, it was the Glories of the Most High. It is glories, of the, glories of the Most High is the Ink Monkeys. They produced this after second edition ended. Hmm. They also It's also where Cobra Style and uh, Black Claw came from and hmm. the Unconquered Sun having a laser cannon and all the shit about the Maidens. Okay. This is all after second content that I guess is canon, but isn't canon for third anymore. Yeah. Hell, Holden and Mork were ink monkeys, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we we uncanoned that. Whoops, we got it got a little away from us. We made the sun into a robot." Yeah. So, so listeners, this this shit about the chair only showed up in late second edition. Please keep in mind, second late second edition had infernals the first few chapters of it. Uh, and that rape factory in the underworld. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And anyway, you were saying a control mechanism. Yeah. So it helps define the borders of reality again. So creation is not like wild because the moon's going around and defining the borders, I guess. 
Okay. So yeah, it sets creation apart from the wild, the underworld, mafias, etc. It helps creation interact with the forces outside of fate so that they don't tear, wash over, or consume creation, which is again the wild, underworld, mafia, and so on. Also, it sets the night apart from day, of course. It also cleans up after the day starts, so the, remen the remnants don't burn creation. And also, it draws the wild into creation to fuel the day stars so you can keep burning and so on. Oh, yeah, so. So what was it when the, when the day star goes across the sky? It leaves behind pieces of burning sky or something, or like stars or whatever. Like and then and then when the moon follows in the sky, it eats that stuff up. It's so moon. Luna's Luna's the sun's fucking maid that cleans up after him and his stupid fucking toys. Yep. Um, and then and then uh, it she also provides fuel. She also fills up the fucking car. Yeah. Also, so Luna's less of the opposite of the unconquered sun, like the silver sentinel of creation. And more like Fran Drescher from The Nanny. Yeah. She's the cleanup crew, I guess. Mm hmm. So, fuels the engine that power reality for what's it worth. And also, you got the darks. You got the portals everywhere, so you can go from the moon to wild, malthus, labyrinth. And also, just for the heck of it, on the dark side of the moon, you got a speaking ring where Luna may summon the Ebon Dragon. Not just talk to him, summon him, apparently. Because that somehow works. Yeah, hey, fuck your surrender oath. Yeah. Also, five days of the darkness can hang out on the dark side of the moon so he can think about being interrupted by the day. So he can Why wouldn't he just live there? Mm, I don't know. Like, yeah. he's spitefully vengeful against the calendar gods, but it's like, hey, live on the dark side of the moon forever. Eh, maybe he likes creation too much because, you know, he's not that bad. He's not Ebon Dragon. He's not that bad, but... He loses more than half of his life every time the sun comes up. He's destroyed. Yeah. Like, he's wiped out and only reappears when the sun goes down. Just fucking set up shop on the dark side of the moon, dude. Grab yourself some mortals and, like, monsters or whatever and have them be your agents on creation. Yeah. Also, if this wasn't uh, Nexus enough, of course, you can scavenge on the moon. I think there's some stuff there from before creation that the Provenalists just left there or something. So there are first age solar tombs or whatever, the equivalent of free artifact uh, pockets. Something like that. But yeah. apparently, you need less permission, otherwise, you'll get cursed to get stuff on there. What are you going to curse you with? You're going to curse you with being a werewolf? Maybe. Space curse races? you to be a young pregnant boy? Like, well, what the fuck's Luna going to do to you? Um, if you can get to the moon. What the fuck is Luna going to possibly do to you? Get into a fight? Oh, we all talk about how the Unconquered Sun's immortal. I don't think Luna's going to have that going on for her. She's not un she's not the Unconquered Sun. Yeah. So apparently also there's a rainforest on the moon, in some crater there, and Gaia and her yacht, well, her yacht lives there. So you can hang out there and talk with Gaia. So whereas the Daystar was a giant transforming Gurren Laga super mech that can destroy everything... Yep. The silver chair is a vacuum cleaner, uh, a gas can, uh, <laughs> it has portals to vacation destinations, uh, it has her girlfriend on it, it's full of treasure, it can break the primordial uh, surrender oath or whatever by just summoning the Ebon Dragon up. It's a house for a part of, it's a house for five days darkness. Yep. Also the and maidens have towers in the moon. So, Luna sounds less like her own character, and more like everyone else's butler. Yeah. Like, an amalgamation of everything that's connected to all this stuff. Yeah, she has everything going on for her. She's, she's, she's nothing. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and, and she has that fucking rainforest, so she's also like Gaia from Captain Planet. Yeah. 
So if if fucking Luna has all these connections to the dragon blooded, or I mean to Gaia, the next logical conclusion is why wouldn't they write Lunars to have a little better connection to dragon blooded? No. I mean, would have that subverted expectations? That'd be interesting. Did Lunars really have? Oh, I, I think I think we're in lunar territory now. Uh, I guess the, yeah. The last tidbit about the moon is it's very hard to get to it. Apparently, the, the book lists four ways you can. Fly on a demon to the moon, but nobody knows which one. You can try sailing the ship into the reflection of the moon in the water to get to it. Possibly you can leap from Mount Meru into the moon. Also, there's a magical rope ladder that flies around creation. You just hop onto it and climb it for an hour and you're on the moon. The rope ladder? Yes. Okay, (laughs) when I was a kid in grade one, this was a long time ago, our teacher would read us these series of books... Uh, about, like, the magic treehouse, I think it was called, or some nonsense. Anyway, you climb up this fucking treehouse to the very tippy top, and there's a, a ladder that comes down, and if you get onto the ladder, it takes you into the sky, and it takes you to different worlds, and you have to climb down by the end of the story, else you get lost there. That's exactly what that reminds me of. Pretty much, because also, you stay on the moon, you do get lost elsewhere, if you don't hide while, when the moon sets in the wild, and so on and so on. So there's a ticking clock if you go to the moon? Well, basically you have to get somewhere into some structure or underground, otherwise you'll get lost in the wild. I guess it makes sense if she dips into the wild and things might latch onto the moon. I don't know. Sure, the moon's like a soap in a shower and it gets covered in like hairs and skin flakes when it goes into the water and then comes back up and cleans itself. I guess. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. So, okay, so yeah, Luna has all of these endless connections to the Titans, specifically Gaia, because Gaia is her one true love. To the Titans? Luna has lovers, of course, because she's, yeah. you know, one of her lovers is Granalkin, a legendary archer. Guess who, who he is? He's a third circle soul of Marduk, who holds in Thrall. That dude's still around? Well, that dude is. He got pardoned by the Conquered Sun, and he lives on the moon. <laughs> Third Circle teams are important characters. No, sorry. No, Third Circle Soul of Marduk. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. That's like having Lidger just hang Let's out there. Double check that. No. I believe it. I believe it. So Marduk just has a soul hanging out on the moon after he became a. Uh, third Circle Soul of Marduk. Yeah. He has his last Third Circle Soul there hanging being an archer. Fuck. So Luna's the Titan. Uh. Whatever the fuck. Like, all of her shit relates to the Titans, and specifically Gaia. Yeah. So now we have Lunar Exalts. Let's talk about Lunar Exalts are theoretically the second most powerful exalt in creation next to the Solars. Oh, no, wait, sorry. A few months later, Lunars are the third most powerful exalt next to the Solars and the Abyssal Egg. Oh, wait, second edition came around. All right, Lunars are the fourth most powerful exalt next to Solars, Infernals, and then Abyssals. Sounds about right. Yup. Oh, no, wait. Second edition Sidereal Martial Art Paradigms came up. Lunars are the fifth most powerful Celestial Exalt, next to literally everyone else. Well, at least they're better than Gethymians and so on. Gethymians are cool. Yeah. They don't have a lot of shit written about them, so they sound interesting. Well, I'll just wait to get you know, destroyed by when they'll get described. I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. So... 
You're a Lunar Exalt. Here's how it goes. Um, do you know the criteria for becoming a Lunar Exalt? Did you happen to stumble upon that during um, your readings? I think there was something about having to survive some harshness and stuff like that, near death. Yeah, there's very little difference between becoming a solar and becoming a lunar, except that you wanted to play a lunar, so you wrote up the character and said that when you exalted, you became a lunar. <laughs> Luna liked you in some way, and boom, now you're a lunar. Um, we're going to talk about first edition lunars. I'm not going to do an overview first. We're going to talk. We're going to do this edition by edition. Okay. So first edition lunars, you're a lunar exalt. When that happens, you get to pick one of the three casts. There's three of them: no moon. Um, crescent moon, crescent moon, and boxing uh, moon. Yeah, sure. You get to be three casts, and they're the trickster, the savage, and the wise man. Basically, is how they're broken down. There used to be five because by second edition there was five of fucking everything. Uh, but because the lunars are fucking crazy and hubrisnessy, I guess they wrecked their exaltation to only have three casts. Anyway, so you become a lunar. Uh, now you have an animal tell that's on you that no matter what form you're in, you still have this tell. So it would be like a rabbit ear or like, uh, I don't know, cat ears probably, whiskers, monster eyes. And no matter what you shapeshift into, people can spot that that's you and that's your tell. Later on in the, the, the age of, the modern age of Exalted basically, uh, because lunars hang out in the wild to be away from the wild hunt, spoilers, the Wild Hunt's called that because they used to hunt Lunars because the Lunars didn't disappear after the usurpation. You also get sweet tattoos, silver full-body tattoos that keep you from becoming a mutant. Uh, so, yeah. that That's your character. You become a, a silver solar, basically. And that was basically what differentiated you. Um... Yeah, animal parts, you can shapeshift now if you take the right charms in first edition, and you get a thing called Deadly Beastman Transformation, which makes you into a... which gives you the Krenos form from World of Darkness. Uh, lunars are necromancers, apparently, and can learn necromancy pretty well, but so can everyone else, so it doesn't matter. Um, so let's talk about first edition lunars and what they're expected to do. First edition lunars is infamous for how insulting it is to the reader. Uh, if you're a Lunar in first edition, then you need to subscribe to barbarianism as a way of life, uh, both physically and culturally. So you need to shit in the woods. You, you need to screw animals. This is in the first edition book. You, you screw animals to have beast children or, or you become an animal and screw a person and, and like you or them get pregnant. And have it's, it's in the book. Uh, bestiality and murder and shitting in the woods and there's a lot of rape talk in it. It's fucking crazy how much is in the first edition Lunar's book because first edition kind of shied away from being stupid for the most part. Yeah. Um, then there's your charms. Your Lunar charms are garbage and you're a fool for taking Lunar charms in first edition. You should have probably built a solar or something interesting. They, they just were very badly designed. Uh, they made you weaker than any other character in the game sometimes, depending on just how badly the writing went. Like, I think there's a charm Lunars get for strength, for throwing, that lets them do something every other character is assumed to be able to do in the game. And you know that they couldn't do it until you took the charm. It was bad. But what's even worse is if you decided to play a Lunar who was outside of the World of Darkness werewolves uh, archetype, uh, you're the only Exile type that gets their power taken away. That's right. Don't act like the way Luna, the you know your 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 uh, patron 
who's active in the world and isn't distracted and is watching you, act in a way she doesn't like, and she will, and this is literally from the first edition book, take away attribute scores, take away charms, take away ability scores, take away merits, and and if you become too civilized, she will actually take your exaltation away. She's the only thing referenced to be able to do this in the fucking first edition books. And that meant if you were playing a lunar, you were unfortunately a sucker who wasted their money because you had spent your money on playing a character type that was equivalent to a D&D paladin or cleric. Someone whose entire power set solely relies on the disposition of a greater patron. Good job, Exalted. So now we're going to talk about second edition lunars. So second edition rolled around and they were like, hey... You know what was shitty? How we did Lunars. Lunars were broken in first, but we've heard the community's feedback, and we now know what people want out of Lunars. So in second edition, Lunars were sociologists and anthropologists super scientists. <laughs> I'm not making this up. It was called the Thousand Streams River Project. And the, the, the thrust of this was, was that... Uh, lunars, because they're stewards and guide civilization, they don't shit in the woods and screw animals and rape for fun now. No, no, they do it for science. So all the lunars in the book uh, basically find an island or a culture or whatever, and they start to make sociological changes and impersonate local gods and use their shape-shifting over time to forge a new culture that's totally different from anything seen on creation. And they believe that they're cultural exploitation and their social engineering and their 1984 style propaganda stuff will create a better brighter tomorrow and that's why they screw animals and stuff so they can have beastmen because the beastmen are the perfect uh, vector to introduce these wild changes so in second edition lunar started to pick up uh, a little more john carpenter and a little more weird shape-shifting archetypes because pop culture had moved on by then uh even alex mercer from prototype is brought up for lunars and um you don't lose your powers anymore, at least. That's nice. Yay! But they do have this thing in first edition called a, a solar bond. We should talk about that. We should go back to first edition for a moment. So first edition, we were living in a beautiful age of ignorance. We did not know how many solars and lunar exaltations there were. It could be any amount. There wasn't even the same amount. It was all over the place. And then Castbook Twilight came out. Yeah. Thanks. The cast books and the aspect books are actually pretty interesting, but they also fucked up a lot of shit about the lore that never got unfucked up. So Castbook Twilight informed us that among the entire solar deliberative, there were only 60 Twilight exaltations. Okay. Now, because RPG fans are, I'm going to just say a little autistic, they then took this to mean that there were only 60 of every solar exalt type, which means there would be approximately 300 solars. And they'd all be complete circles. There'd be an even number of them because, you know, even numbers and everything in its place. They then extrapolated this into second edition for something even more ridiculous. But in first edition, Lunars had what was called a lunar-solar bond. This was meant to invoke a romantic fantasy, basically. You know, uh, the, the concept of a love reincarnating. Hinduism also, like, this love and relationship reincarnating over multiple lives and, like, the, the, the bond between, say, Gilgamesh and Enkidu that... You know, might not have been romantic love, but like companionship love. And this whole thing that certain lunars and certain solars had so that when you reincarnated, you were connected to that person. It was fairly interesting. It, was, it wasn't something everyone had. It was just a thing that could be. So if you played a lunar and a solar, there was a chance that if the players really wanted, they could be like solar and lunar mates that were bonded through time and have that whole Inuyasha Kagome thing going on if you really wanted. 
And of course, second edition came along and fucked up everything. So in second edition, it was made canon. There are 300 solars. And because the second edition writers were hacks, uh, it was then decided that there were exactly 300 lunars and that every lunar and solar were bonded. Yep. Yep. Everything fits together. Everything fits together in a perfect little pile. Let's not have anything different or interesting or new. We got we to gotta make sure that we go back to all these half-thought myths and codify them and label them and make sure everything has its own little number and reference code. Don't leave anything to the imagination. Explain everything down to the nittiest detail. If that sorcery was happening in this city in second edition, in first edition, make sure in second edition to write ten more paragraphs explain how it's nanotech. This happened in one of the cities in second edition, by the way. Oh my. Yeah, nanotech, son. Yeah. It was first age bullshit. This this was around the time the first age was taught to be this big fucking nightmare land full of Jetsons era super science and assholes. Completely ruining the first age here on out forever. Because <laughs> now no one ever thinks of it as anything different. It's a super science world. Yeah. Well, on the plus side, I guess, um, I'm not sure already, but there was something that the whole solar-lunar bond was mostly broken by the usurpation because the solar got imprisoned, so then love bonds got broken for some of them at least yeah so we don't have it all the time but then you take a merit in second edition called solar bond and it's a merit a lunar takes and i kid you fucking not you take this merit as a lunar and it gives the solar power over you (laughs) yeah you put the fucking collar on yourself and you spend your own xp on it you dumb shit i want to be like furry here have my leash Oh, yeah. Oh, and that, that's when it really started to pile on, too, with Lunars in 2nd Edition. Yeah. The all subtlety went out the window. Um, wait, there was also some mention of the Hungry Widow Society, or the Golden Widows, which are Lunar to hunt down the solar mates and eat them for power. I mean, that seems cool, but yeah. it's stupid because if every solar has a lunar mate, then why not, you know? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, everyone has one. You're guaranteed to get it now. It can't just be, you know, maybe 100, maybe 50. Nope. Everyone automatically instinctively has a lunar mate. Well, even if you didn't have you could always try marrying someone uh, to the whatever magics and get your mate and then kill them to be a widow. Yeah, some <laughs> fucking shit. Uh, um, what else did lunars have that was stupid? Let's talk about their, uh, what do you call them? The ancients. So... Because this is a White Wolf product, what would a White Wolf product be without NPCs that are vastly more powerful than you that can tell you what to do? Because we play games of power fantasy to have a boss that gives us work. Yep. So Lunars are the most egregious of this, I think, out of all of them. Like, Solars don't really have this. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) But Lunars do. So, there's like, I don't know, 50 first age lunars that survived the usurpation and are still alive in first and second edition exalted uh and you know what they uh, some of them get named in third edition so they're still around even in third you got maha suchi raxi admiral leviathan talbot or trigon or he's a dog guy and he was abused and he hates women because women abused him because we need that 
there's a bunch of them. And they form uh, what's called the Silver Pact, and it's a council of elder lunars, a council of elder vampires, just like in Vampire the Masquerade, that tell you what to do, tell you what your assignment is, and if you fucking, you know, get out of line, they might just send a bunch of animal children uh, mutants to kill you. Well, I guess some of them aren't battled by themselves, but if you bind together, they must It's like, oh, Mahasuchi is a sort of anti-empire... Masuji's okay. cool. Yeah. He's Heart of Darkness. He's Marlon Brando. He's, yeah. you know, uh, Corporal Kurtz or whatever. Yeah. So, by himself, pretty good concept. Rexy's alright. She's like a young, cute-looking ape girl, uh, apparently, that's how she's drawn, who has ape men and eats babies in front of you and likes libraries. Like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, Tamus, that's that asshole's name. Tamus hates women. Okay, cool. It's, it's 90s White Wolf, whatever. We'll take it as we go. <coughs> oh, shit, right. So if you don't get your sweet tattoos, so, you know, tattoos, you know, individuality, being able to stand out from the crowd or whatever. So if you don't conform and get your tattoos like everyone else, uh, you get, you, you, you have the potential of getting mutated in the wild and becoming a chimera, which is a big, angry, werewolf-style adversary that will just rampage through and murder people. So, you know, you have to be interesting and have your snowflake tattoos, but if you don't conform and get them, you're in trouble. Mm. Lunars are a troubled splat. I like Lunars. I like the idea of them, at least. They seem really interesting. It's too bad they've never had a good book. Well, I guess you start at the beginning that, oh, if the Lunars are like werewolves, the the mythical concepts, and you relate that to, well, our real culture or proper culture, we have the mystical animals relating the concepts of humanity that we were talking about, like, oh, you've got the vampires, which are about sex and body fluids. Zombies are about the fear of the crowds. And werewolves are about that oh, power from the wild. Uh, if you're the wolf, you're the apex predator. So when you were back in the medieval ages, you know, you thought, oh, if I wish I could be a wolf and, you know, not be afraid of the night, just hold there. So that concept in itself, it's not that bad, but the question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Why do you well, play a lunar? Well, apparently, from what I gathered, lunar is supposed to be the sort of again, opposite to salt, where salt will be building grand empires, building their cities and so forth and so forth. The lunar should be the concepts of man, the wild or disturbing the status quo, I guess. So, oh, like the realm, they should be trying to observe them because that's stagnant, that's, you know, giant culture. Versus them, they're more about the wild things, or not being, not expecting the thing. I guess it would relate to, again, one of the Lunas gods, the Luranun, the master of the fivefold blood, but he's like the, you know, edge of the die, edge of the coin, or the chaos that he cannot predict. So I guess Lunas would be sort of trying to do that aspect. Playing someone who's chaotic and unpredictable and goes against culture, um... How, how, how do you imagine, like, a group of five Lunars? Like, five PCs all yeah. playing Lunars. What does that game look like? We can see what Solars looks like. We can see what Dragonblood. You you can get Abyssals and Infernals, yeah. too, even. Yeah. You know, there, there's a sort of thing there, a, a common thread. Same with Sidereals. Mm. What the fuck do you do with Lunars? Hmm. Well, I guess you could try infiltrating a society and bringing it to its knees or something. Or blowing up Texas. Let's be terrorists. <laughs> yeah, you can be eco-terrorists if you really want. Sure. Um, you could try to do the civilization-creating thing, but then you're just playing a game of microscope. 
Mm-hmm. Might as well not even play an Exalted if you're going to do the, the social engineering. And if you want to attack the realm, then inevitably you're going to get allies who do have empires and be staging out of them. <laughs> so the whole eco-terrorist guerrilla fighter thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, what else could you do? Can I be protector of Gaia? Is that the sort of game you want to uh, I guess you could, you could war against Fae Folk, but that's no different from warring against the realm. Yeah, pretty much. There, there's a power fantasy to Lunars, and maybe I'd understand it better if I actually understood Werewolf, probably. But I don't see where the power fantasy leads other than a very short, like, early game thing. Well, maybe you could make a game focus on the wild exploration and go in the deep end or something like that. One of the concepts of how I would see, say, Luna in a game, if you try to focus on that, say, Gaia comes back, and Luna goes with her out in the wild and try to deal with that, either staying creation without the moon or going with them and going off a tangent in the wild. That could be something interesting. But, that could be a thing. But I guess that's not a core setting for everybody. Yeah, and that's the thing. Lunars are built to be on the edge of the wild. Um, and so and in solars, there's a type of solar, a wild-shaping solar. They, they use lore and they're based out of craft and sorcery, right? And wild shaping solar's problem is, is that they're really good at wild shaping, but wild shaping is at the fucking edge of the world where nothing else is except the wild and town's too stupid to move away from the wild. So the problem is, is being in the wild long enough with your group to be away from literally everything political to do your wild shaping and then leaving and coming back. And lunars are, all three fucking splats for lunars are like that. They all are built to live in the wild at the edge of the world, away from everything. Well, you know, there are some wild cards out there. So far, you could do some politicking with the fair folk, I guess. I guess you'd be like, find... I think it would be like, find a find a story like Ujimbo or whatever, or Seven Samurai. Find a village that needs defending, and then be lunars and defend it. There could be anything else in defend it, right? Yeah. But like you know, with Lun- you know, find a civilization or a culture that's going to be wiped out by the Fae, and then play Lunars and murder them by being. Hmm. You yeah. throw a lot of dice around. But that story was way better set up with hmm. the exigence. Uh, exigence? Oh, yeah, discovery that uh, Field Maiden. So yeah, Field Maiden hmm. Janna. Yeah, that was a fucking great story. That, that made me think of a lot of uh, ideas for what an exigence would look like. But I've never seen a story like that for Lunars. Yeah. Um, the, the, I had like one thing off the top of my third edition, third edition is making pains to fix it. Cause lunars aren't about society engineering and they're not about shitting in the woods anymore. Yep. Lunars are now terrorists looking for revenge against the evil realm. So here's the thing. The realm has limited resources. Uh, they have artifacts and magitech and dragon blooded, right? But that, those are all just, those are all exhaustible. So lunars tricks now is a little bit of everything for the last two editions. They find civilizations that have been uh, marginalized by the realm, like barbarians or tribals or whatever. They train them up, fill them with beastmen, get them all pissed off and angry, and they send them to attack the realm in guerrilla warfare. And these are called war domains, and they're meant to expire because you send them to all go and die, right? But then they've killed, you know, realm soldiers and realm dragonblood, and that's depleted a percentage of the realm's power. Yeah, I could see that happening. Just a long, drawn-out Vietnam scenario. That's interesting. Or... Try even again going into the Blessed Isle and trying to infiltrate that and I don't know, putting houses against each other. Exactly. You know, the devs have said that um, when, when the realm talks about anathema and the realm talks about horror, 
They don't talk about solars. No one gives a shit about solars. They've been gone forever. Anathema and the Wild Hunt refer to lunars because lunars are the monster that sneak into your house at night and wear your parents' faces. So I guess if they forgot something like that, that would be interesting. So like, we've got our traveler, which I guess you sort of fit into that. Uh, yeah, he's an infiltrator. Yeah. So that's a game, you know, infiltrating the realm and trying to tear it down from the inside. But that's something that only really showed up in third edition. Also, lunars have a fucking tell when they're shape-shifted. Yeah. Also, their charms in second edition were shit again. But in second edition was garbage. Yeah. But instead of having charms, they had what were called knacks. And, and literally, this entire system paradigm for lunars uh, with knacks and shape-shifting was only designed because Eclipse cast solars existed. And <laughs> Eclipse cast solars can learn charms from other exalts. So they didn't want <laughs> eclipses to learn shape-shifting and every eclipse be a lunar. <laughs> so their brilliant solution instead of fucking toning back what eclipses could do was to make everything else harder to balance and write so bad fucking good job asshole yeah, um, we mentioned the second edition about the lunars being those uh, experimenters in society and stuff I quickly looked up when the Vampire Requiem was released which was 2004 and when the second edition was released 2006 both by Whitehall because that sounded to me a lot like the Cartian movement from the, the Vampire Requiem. You, you really? Carthians? I thought they sounded a little Order Jack cool. Well, uh, the Cartian movements are about the social experiments. They set up different uh, yeah. ways of ruling each other. They're, oh. they're the independents, basically. They, yeah. they, they like use modern technology and social media. Yeah, but uh, let's say, oh, let's have communism here. Let's have dictatorship. Yeah. Let's have something else. And so forth and so on. That's like, oh, so similar. Like, oh, White Wolf. Yeah. Stop cross-pollinating everything. That's a I guarantee you're right. That's exactly what they probably did. I remember that about Carthians, too. Yeah. They probably, you know, the writer from whatever on White Wolf, because they were all White Wolf writers. All yeah. of them were freelancers going around to different products and not giving a shit. Yeah. I guarantee you someone was like, oh, why don't we just make them the Carthian movement now? Yeah, now they're social engineers. There's nothing like that in Exult. And it's like, well, there's nothing like that in Exult because it's a bad idea. Siderials? Siderials are 007, Agent Smith... Uh, the movie Office Space, Pi May from Kill Bill, um, and a few other things, and actually have a fairly unified, um, mm -hmm. you know, game type you can go for. You can do a bunch of stuff with serials. They had their own problems that we've discussed in the serial part, yep. but uh, finding something to do for them was not one of them. Um, okay. Anything else about Lunars themselves? Other than their garbage? <laughs> no. Um, I really hope Third Edition fixes Lunars thematically speaking. Of all the character types, Lunars are the ones that needed an entire fluff flavor and thematic overhaul. This whole werewolf hand-me-down thing is garbage. And they take the worst aspects of Changeling with. Uh, first edition Changeling had a bunch of exploitative fetishism inside of it that served no purpose but to give, I don't know, the writers and the artists erections. It was juvenilely inserted into first edition Changeling in some parts. Not all of them, but some parts. And it's the same thing happened to Lunars in first and second edition. With Shitting in the Woods, the entire sub... There, there's an entire text box talking about rape and barbarian rape and stuff. And the noble savage and, and stuff that made... You know, stuff that made alarms go off in your head and imagined a dude in a plastic headdress. And uh, all... Uh, so yeah, there's that. There's, there's your exaltation game taken away if you're not hardcore enough. There's having to have sweet body tattoos and tramp stamps. All of that stuff needs needs a reorganizing and a, a refluff. You know, there needs to be a better vision for Lunars. 
Yeah, so I guess they need to move away from the idea of furries and such like that. You don't need to move away from it. I think it's fine to have it. It's just the writing's so terrible. Mm. Do a better job. Do a job. <laughs> um, and there's a meta-ness to Lunars in the Exalted community now that I think about it. There's a joke in, in Exalted forums, RPG.net. It's always a joke. Whenever someone creates homebrew or talks about a setting thing or talks about something completely interesting about the floor of the setting, inevitably someone will come along and start bringing up how that uh, ruins something that Lunars have or brings up the Lunars. It's literally a meme that Lunar players are so fucked over by the game and by not having a unified sort of... Never having a good splat book that any thread is at danger of becoming a lunar thread. Oh uh, yeah, so in short, uh, lunars can't, could have been interesting, but they need a redo. And third edition is the, an excellent opportunity for them to actually fix that splat for the players. Uh, Luna herself is boring as shit and is super bland and desperately needs a refluffing. So are you happy with how the lunars are in our game so far? I guess. I mean, it's hard. Like, I, I'm running a Saturday game um, on that Discord server uh, just to test out the module and just, just to let people kind of play and stuff. And we have a Lunar player. And I understand his character. His character is good. Uh, the backstory is solid. But he was asking me about how the module embodies Lunars, right? Like, like how, the, the, how I refluffed Godbound for Lunars works. And I'm like, I did the best I could to make them interesting. But there's not enough content that's competent about Lunars to really allow me to explore anything specific about them. Like, as a guy who was trying to design a splat for Lunar players, like in the Godown system, I don't got anything to work off of. Um, so the characters in the game, sure, I can kind of get what they're going for um, as far as like our NPCs and our Lunar NPCs show up. But there's nothing to differentiate them from Solars. There's nothing that makes them iconic. What is an iconic lunar other than Beastman transformation, which nobody, which people are really starting to dislike, because <laughs> it's the only answer. What are soldiers? What are lunars good at at crafting? What are lunars good at at combat? What are what are lunars good at other than shape shifting? Shape shifting is a lame trick. Yeah. It's a lame trick when it's the only trick, and it's the one that people keep bringing up. Well, what can they do other than shapeshift? Why would you play a lunar over a solar? What themes do they bring up? What characters can you explore? Um, just to briefly go through it, Solars, you get to play Gilgamesh. You get to play the lone hero rising up against an empire or, or a world crushed by mediocrity. Dragonblooded, you get to play the Game of Thrones angle where you're a dynast, uh, uh, part of hundreds in your family that are all pushing towards, you know, supremacy while also keeping out the monsters from the edge of the world and, you know, trying to keep, like, the British colonies intact. Uh, Sidereals, all those themes we talked about, Agent Smith, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Infernals, better to reign, rule in hell than uh, better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. You know they're all about embracing the the whole trapped, discarded overlord uh, vibe and being rock stars. Or, or transhumanism actually applies to them too because they're uh, right, uh, they're devil tiger howl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, abyssals, abyssals deal with the underworld, underworld culture, having a, a emperor Palpatine's style master and serving them and finding, I don't know, revenge, finding a continuation of life after death. You can make stuff up for Abyssals. They have a very distinct thing going on for them. Uh, Alchemical, serving the state, the Soviet thing, the whole shtick with Autochthonia, which which is really well done and really well polished. 
Uh, liminals are Frankenstein people, kind of like Prometheans. You wake up on a slab and you're, people are treating you like you should have been someone else, but you don't have any memories and you're a new person. And you can scavenge body parts for power and you hunt the dead and keep the underworld in check. Uh, exigence, a god chose you to be their champion. There's a hundred things you could do there. Gatimians, you, your destiny was stolen from you and now you're becoming a new type of champion and a new type of uh, force that can take their own destiny into their hands and stuff. All of these exalt types have something interesting going on. What the fuck are we supposed to do with lunars? And that's it. That's that's the crux of it. They, they've had so much fatigue and bloat and, and so many other games stapled onto them and onto their patron. Luna definitely needs a, a redo. That it's just, it's over and underwhelming at the same time. I guess it needs a focus. Focus, yeah. yeah. Focus. Reef off the thematics. Fix the mechanics. <laughs> Make Lunars playable. Make them a good option. Make them interesting. Oh, shit. Should we talk about the, the, the TAW? What's TAW? Terrifying Ardent Witches. Go for it. I, it's been a while since I've read them, so I've lost a lot of the, the immediate information about them. But the Terrifying Argent Witches, I think they were called, was a fan first-page redo of Lunars. And it's amazing. It takes the lunar theme of being a werewolf in the edge of the wild... And shifts it around so they're like a malevolent witch force that lives in the wild and is a part of the wild and controls the world through curses and uh, trickery and prophecy and like manipulating their form and stuff and they, they, they act like goblin kings or like fair folk of legend. They're, they become a fair folk exult almost but a kind of cunning animalistic uh fair folk instead of being an exalt that's just a werewolf that has like an axe and turns into a beast man uh argent witches are you know the witch who has a gingerbread house mm. or the hags from macbeth or fucking maleficent i guess that would be an interesting way to take it because it's not exactly fair folk because fair folk don't seem to be understanding the world entirely versus Lunars are, well, first they were mortal, therefore they have a grasp over the reality. Yeah. And then they can use the fair folk. The, the power yeah. of Luna in the Argent Witches is it's a person understanding how to take the, the terrifying wonders of space and the cosmos that is the wild and using it for their own purposes, like ambition-wise. Reading the, the fluff for it and stuff really gets you going and be like, yeah, I can use this. Mm-hmm. I guess they control the narrative or what's that called in the parable? It's more like them acting as agents in creation and them, mm-hmm. them having a reason to be by the wild and them having a reason to, to be aloof and stuff. Uh, Flemeth from Dragon Age would be an Argent Witch, I think. I don't know if I have any more relevant examples for you specifically. I don't know what you've seen or read, but... Uh... Yeah, they're, they're, they're good, and they're a fan split, and I think I've mentioned them before in the podcast, I think I've linked them in a previous one, but Nox, everything Lunars from First Detection were on the part, and the devs know about it. Uh, on the Something Awful forums, Plague of Hats and Shepard were talking about the devs on their Skype chats, and they've, they've talked about Argent Witches and how much they want to move away from that and not have anything to do with it, and it's like, alright, whatever. That's the best thing we've seen so far from Lunars, but uh, let's let's see if third time's the charm. We'll <laughs> yeah, have to see. Yeah, I've never played them. I've just read the the info, and I I had a much more unified vision of what I was supposed to be playing when I read Argent Witches. Well, I guess it wouldn't fit into every game. Though. Well, not every Exile does. Yeah, um, but they have their advantages, and they have their thematic kit, and they had a very strong focus. 
maybe when I put up this podcast, I'll have another link to it so people can check it out and decide for themselves. And then, like, I don't know, comment on Reddit or something about how fucking wrong. Well, we'll see. All right. Um, I guess look at my notes. Uh, some interesting uh, piece of lore I want to mention is about the eclipses that happen in creation that sort of relates to lore. Okay. It's like... Um, basically, when the, all the incarnate are in harmony, then eclipses happen in creation. Uh, then you can see the sun's corona, you can see the moon, you can see the maidens, all happy in harmony. Apparently, that you didn't have any of that happening since the usurpation because you know sun didn't care about anything. And when the solar came back, it was the, the first eclipse in one and a half thousand years. There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that's a little bit like heroes and stuff. Yeah. A small tidbit I guess I want to throw in with the Luna. I think that's good. That characterizes how the Incarnate are reacting to the Exalts coming back. Yeah. Because the return of the Solars means the return of the Lunars. Even though they never went anywhere, it means they can have more agency in creation. Yeah. Right. Um, so I guess we're going to finish up with you know, what we did with the previous two Incarnate. How would you use Luna as the Incarnate in the game? I would use her even less than I would use the Unconquered Sun. <laughs> She's offensively bland and boring. Yeah. And I, I what she there is nothing she does that better written that gods with less word count attributed to them do better. Yeah, I suppose. Maha Suchi's a better character than uh Admiral Leviathan, at least half of his write up is better than Luna. Um uh, Rizella, the head of the Celestial Bureaucracy, she's a better NPC than Luna. Mm -hmm. Fucking um, Five Days Darkness is a better NPC than Luna. Yep. I would use all of them before I ever used her. I would use the Unconquered Sun before I did <laughs> Well, I guess um, well, you could have her just appear as the starting guidance like, you know, Solist and Zenith. That's how she could sort of appear. Sure. Uh, I'd probably go offensive and make it like a spirit quest with pan flute music in the background and make it like an animal allegory. Um, I guess if you want to deal with some game that deals with the game's divinity being bad and so forth, controlling them, then Luna might be the kind that's most immune to them because of her dual mind, dual nature. Well, because so the games are sucking all the interesting facts out of her, so she has her mind together best. <laughs> Something like that. I guess you could also try using her as a protector of Gaia if that sort of world-ending events happen. I guess, but Gaia should be protected by the Elemental Dragons, and the Elemental Dragons should be nominally protected by the, the Dragon-Blooded. Hmm. Why the fuck is Gaia... Okay, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. If, if Gaia and Luna are so tight, then how come thematically speaking, the Dragon-Blooded and the Lunars aren't the ones that are companions? Hmm. Well, that would be interesting if you had... The dragon blooded teaming up with Lunas against the soul. Right? And like something going wrong or whatever, or like, you know, maybe Lunars, like, you know, to, to do their part, make sure the Solars never came back. Yeah. Uh, a good chunk of them had to go into the wild and whatever, and like were murdered out there by what was ever was there that like held the Solars back. Like, you could have done this in so many better ways. Maybe Lunars are only coming back now, 300 years later, because their exaltations, when the Solars came back, have led them back into the, from the wild. Yeah. You could have done something really interesting with that. But seriously, if you're going to put all this fucking stupid word count to Luna and Gaia being bosom buddies, then why not take that a thematic step forward, uh, fucking deny expectations, like go against what you'd assume. You know, the lunar and the solar exalts are the same, are like bros, and be like, 
Yeah, lunars and terrestrial exalts, they have a symbiotic relationship. They work really well together. That would be interesting. Right? Wouldn't that be interesting and different rather than bland and expected? <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Luna, all the same caveats as the Unconquered Sun, with a further caveat that I would never use her because she's boring. <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah. If you want your game to be interesting, you have so many better choices out there. You can make the Unconquered Sun interesting. What's Luna other than an aloof chick who's all, or dude, who's all like, Oh, yeah, you're exalted now. I'm all about chaos and, uh, you know, not civilization and social engineering. I like Gaia. But why do you let the realm continue, Luna? Yeah, Luna, what the fuck? Get up a chair. I'm all about being so random, lol. Yeah. I want to be a trickster. Yeah, you know who likes tricksters? Fucking nobody likes tricksters, by <laughs> the way. You know, characters who are tricksters, quote-unquote, are the equivalent to fucking Kender from Dragonlance. Oh, the rabbit likes tricksters. <laughs> 400 rab rabbit likes tricksters. Yeah, and you know why people <laughs> like 400 rabbits? Because uh, apparently the audience actually likes him a lot. Because he makes people who are usually shitty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting to see. The killer queen, you know. Yeah, the killer squirm. queen acts like she doesn't give a damn about anything and he makes her squirm. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The wanderer is always like swinging his arms around like fucking tree trunks and then it's like 400 rabbits comes up and he wants an adult. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. You can't use it too much or it gets bad, but... And this is why one-third of Lunars being fucking tricksters is a terrible idea. The trickster archetype gets played out. Mr. Mixelplex works in small doses. Batmite works in small doses. Yeah. The trickster, Mark Hamill's character on The Flash and in the comics, works in small doses. Yeah. Uh, his other character, the Joker, he's not a trickster character. He's a different character. <laughs> Yeah, we can't all be the Joker. Yeah. If everyone's the Joker, nobody is. And it's just a competition to out-stupid each other. Yeah. Anyway, um, you think that's good? Yeah, that roughly wraps everything up. All right. Well, this is Devin. And Peter. From Sponsored by Nobody. Signing off. Our future depends powerfully on how well we understand this cosmos, in which we float like a boat of dust in the morning sky. sky. sky.